The Veterans Club is brought to you through the generosity of our sponsors and advertisers. Please visit www.theveteransclub.org and thank those companies who have contributed to making this program work. Welcome to the Veterans Club Podcast, a production where veterans and community meet and thrive. We talk with veterans about their life and military service and to veterans organizations about their community service efforts. We've joined forces with the Baby Boomers Radio Network to help increase the reach of veterans and their heart for service. With your help sharing these episodes, we can reach more people and change more lives. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you to our veterans for their service to country and community. Welcome to the Veterans Club. Thank you for tuning in. Today is a special episode as we really get the program moving forward on solid footing. The purpose of the Veterans Club is to help veterans. Part of our regular episode production will include announcements of upcoming events. Being a national program, from time to time, we'll spend an entire episode going over the announcements for veterans. While it will be impossible to make all of the announcements we receive, we'll publish as many as possible for your benefit. Now, if you happen to have an organization serving veterans and would like to make an announcement of an upcoming event, please visit www.theveteransclub.org and click on the button, make an announcement. Just complete the form and we'll get your announcement made as time permits. There is no charge for veteran event or service announcements, but businesses who would be looking for advertising with veterans, please call 208-209-7170 and we'll make a smoking hot deal for you. Uh, One more thing before we dive into the announcements for today. We're calling on all veterans to be part of this show. A lot of you don't feel like you have a story worth telling. I say that is not true. We all have stories of strength that we can share to inspire other veterans who might be struggling with, uh, with loneliness, PTSD, or, well, issues too numerous to list. Veterans Helping Veterans is the motto of the Veterans Club. We can interview you via telephone anywhere in America or in person if you happen to live in North Idaho. Please visit www.theveteransclub.org and click on Be a Guest. Let your words be a source of strength and comfort for other veterans who served our country. The Vietnam Veterans War Memorial is coming to our area, hosted and supported by the Gallant Guards of Liberty and the City of Liberty Lake, September 15th through 19th, 2022, at 0830 at the Pavilion Park, a replica of the Vietnam Memorial located in Washington, D.C., will be on display for all to see. All of the names are there. It's a beautiful display. Make sure and set aside September 15th through 19th to pay tribute to this wonderful memorial. Set aside Saturday, September 17th, 2022 for the 17th annual POWMIA ride hosted by the Combat Vet Riders. Started at 2405 North Dick Road, Spokane Valley, Washington. Pre-registration and pre-order ride shirts at combatvetriders.org. Registration starts at 
10 a.m., kickstands up at 11 a.m. Visit combatvetriders.org for more information. Free Veterans Breakfast. Bring a Veteran Plus One, September 17th, 2022 at 0800, located at Lake City Church, 6000 Ramsey Road, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, 83815. Come meet new friends and build new relationships over coffee and all-you-can-eat pancakes. Call Ed at 208-209-7170 to RSVP for this free event. All veterans are signed up in a free raffle for great prizes, gift certificates to local restaurants, and much more. Bring a friend and enjoy pancakes made by Rotarians and served by Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. Visit theveteransclub.org to learn more information. Veterans Business Accelerator Fall 22 for veterans and their families. Classes start September 27 and run Tuesday and Thursday every evening from 6 to 9 p.m. Located at North Idaho College, the Armand Building. Give your veteran-owned business an edge. The North Idaho College Veteran Business Accelerator is specifically designed to equip veterans and their families with the essential skills necessary to launch a new business, grow their existing operation, and develop a roadmap for business success. Visit www.bit.ly slash vetbizacc. Mark your calendar October 2nd, 10 a.m. for the Idaho Chapter Farmer Veterans Coalition. They're actively seeking veterans who are eager to learn farming of any style, gardening, woodworking, etc. No land required. They're blessed to have Idaho's oldest tree farm there in Idaho. Family owned for 102 years and first tree farm in Idaho Centennial Farms. Please go to farmvetco.org to watch some videos for this organization. Get started on October 2nd at 10 a.m. Lancaster Creek Farms, 18215 North Tree Farm Lane, Hayden, Idaho, 83835. So I'm here with a friend of mine, Joe. Joe, thanks for taking some time to talk with the Veterans Club today. Sure. So what, first off, what branch of service did you serve in and what years did you serve? Um, Army and uh, in uh, the Army National Guard. Um, I served from 1980 uh, to 2017. Wow. Yeah. Just a couple of years. Uh, My goodness. Uh, about uh, yeah. better part of, of uh, three plus decades. So, yeah. Weren't quite sure what you wanted to do. No, huh? no. I was kind of lost. And, you know. You don't want to rush into a career. No, no. No. I, you know, I always like to say, you kick the tires for a couple of decades before you I always, really settle down. I always laugh when people tell me that government is the solution to things. I said, listen, in 37 years, they couldn't get my pay right two months in a row. And you're telling me that they're going to run my health care. Yeah, they're going to tell us what the temperature is in 100 years. Yeah, yeah. So, so why did you choose Army? Um, well, Army kind of chose me. Um, I uh, originally wanted to go to the Naval Academy. And all of the appointments were... Uh, taken up for all of the academies. The local congressman had left um, like midterm and given out his appointments that year. And then the next guy who wound up being Leon Panetta, um, uh, who wound up being the chief of staff for and the sec secretary of defense under, uh, uh, under Obama, he, uh, he tried to, you know, do something for him. He couldn't. So anyway, um, I decided to go through army ROTC. Um, and I was uh, in San Luis Obispo at the time, applied at Cal Poly and got in there. So I did that. 
my ROTC uh, and Army was what was available. So, uh, and it was also, um, I was in a program called the California Cadet Corps before that for about six years from seventh grade through 12th grade. And uh, it was a, a part of the National Guard in California ran it. And it was in junior high and high school throughout California. And they, you know, it was Army. So uh, the, the commandants, the people that ran the program, they were predominantly. Uh, former retired army. Right. So, yeah, you can kind of go with the influence that's around you. Besides, you know, nobody goes out and plays Navy. Yeah. <laughs> You'll play army. Ain't that the truth? What was your uh, What was your first memory of your time in service? When was it? Uh, yeah. It's a tough question, but you know, I remember when when I I pulled out of the driveway at my parents' home with the recruiter, and I was going to check in. That memory is like solid in my head. What was your first memory? It's like, I'm in the Army now. Uh, probably um, basic at Fort Knox, Kentucky, 1978. And uh, it was an old World War II barracks, which I'd seen because in the Cadet Corps, we used to use uh, Camp Roberts, uh, central part of California. So standard two-story wood barracks uh, there in the old part. Uh, the new ones were like across the quad so we could look up and see all the brand new buildings. We weren't allowed to be in them. Um, and uh, I can remember I got there early. You never want to get there early. Um, and I got there early and the drill sergeant came in and really nice, really nice man. Um, highly decorated Vietnam vet. And uh, he came in and said, so you're here early? Yes, drill sergeant. Said, well, that's good. I hope you like to march. That was my first memory. <laughs> and my second memory was probably since I had that prior cadet training, you can't like not march. You, if you know how to march, you're not a march and you know, you're listening. To so, you know, they give us a few facing movements and he's like, you come here. What's that? Nerejahidja, whatever your name is over there. Come here. I'm like, yes, drill sergeant. Said, you're the platoon sergeant. I said, for how long? Give me 20. Got any more questions? No drills, right? <laughs> well, except, I mean, you say uh, the marching pipe, but yet there's those guys in the company that you see that literally can't figure out left no. from right. No, and they, and they back in those days, they got big rock. Yes. And yeah. they gave them the big rock in their left hand, and it's like, that, that's your left. The heavy side is your left. <laughs> no, that's not disparaging. So all of those of you who are listening right now who are thinking about the military, Th those are the fun memories, believe me. Those yeah, are those yeah, are really yeah. the fun memories. So, so what was your job in the military? What did you do? Oh, um, a lot of jobs. But uh, started out, I was going to be an intel officer, um, and then um, wound up actually uh, going through like you know all the clearance process and everything, and then got assigned to an infantry unit. And um, a battalion commander called me in and said, "Look, you you got some skill sets here that that lend themselves to infantry. Why don't we just?" Have you changed branches? So then I went to infantry officer basic course at Fort Benning and um, did the hua hua thing for about eight years. And then um, was always passionate about wanting to fly. Originally, I wanted to fly Navy jets. And uh, so uh, applied for and got selected for flight school. And uh, so I went to Army flight school in uh, Fort Rucker in Alabama. And uh, it's called uh, UCLA, ugliest corner of lower Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, um, 
spent a year almost there and uh, learned to fly uh, Hueys, which are a museum piece now, and then uh, transitioned uh, to uh, Cobras a couple years later, uh, got a attack helicopter assignment as a company commander, went through the transition course, flew Cobras, and that was probably, not probably, that was the most fun I think I ever had in the Army, was, you know, you're flying something while shooting and blowing stuff up. So it's pretty much everything a boy wants to do all at once. Well, and the Cobra is and just they, a cool they crap. they pay you extra. Yeah, it, it, so, yeah, the Cobra helicopter was just an amazingly yeah. cool crap. And people asked me to liken it to a car, and I said, it's like a 1967 or 68 Corvette. All analog technology, a lot of power, uh, you know, just just enough technology to make it good and fun, but nothing that required. You know, the only thing digital in my aircraft was my co-pilot's watch. You know, <laughs> everything, everything else you could use a screwdriver or a hammer to fix. That's funny. Um, you know, I look back on my military service, and I, I, I look at the things that, looking back now, what did I enjoy doing the most? What what activities, whether they were either on duty or off duty, and I've got my favorites. What were your favorite activities? Well, you know, I mentioned flying and doing gunnery and that kind of stuff. But as I progressed and got older, um, I got the opportunity to go to Naval Postgraduate School and focus uh, because I started working with a program. Uh, originally, it was called the Partnership for Peace. And then what it did was it matched um, National Guards, so a state with a former Soviet or Warsaw Pact country originally. Now it's across the globe, but... Originally, it was focused on Europe and Eastern Europe and, and former Soviet Union. Uh, I got associated with that, wound up um, getting into that program, and then actually getting some specific education and training in it, and then spending a lot of time overseas uh, in Germany with U.S. European Command and U.S. Army Europe, and then also um, Poland and Ukraine, and then working and training the Ukrainian Army, which... Of late is uh, pretty interesting, but I go back, you know, I started doing that like 94 uh, through about 2008. So, so post-first Gulf War, yeah, pre-second. Well, we, we were, uh, they were partnering, they were actually in Iraq with us, uh, um, was in the embassy a few times in Kiev, um, working on, you know, that program where they would send a battalion into Iraq. Um, to work with uh, all of the, you know, uh, uh, coalition forces, but uh, spent a lot of time. Originally, you know, the first few years that you worked with, the uh, first time I went was '96, and so it was five years after their independence. Everything was still all Soviet. They, you know, they, they were, their systems were all Soviet. Their thinking was still uh, the Soviet Army, and it was, it was a really difficult transition. But the younger officers, especially in some of the, uh, um, they were creating a professional non-conscript um, service. And, and so the younger uh, to be non-commissioned officers were really, really encouraging. Because one of the legacies of, of Ukraine, the former Soviet Union, was uh, a really good education system. So they were well-educated, um, even the conscripts uh, that came through. You know, they, they'd likely had read um the Russian version of Hemingway or Faulkner or something. I mean, our kids, yeah, at the same time probably had. But um, anyway, it was uh, 
that was extremely rewarding uh, because watching them transition and go from a Soviet style, you know, military in control of military to a civilian controlled military, you know, based in a democratic system. Um, and we see the result of it today, um, you know, far, far inferior force in terms of size, but far superior in terms of tactics and, and they're defending their homelands. So right. Well, yeah, that, that makes a difference. Yeah. Oh, now, when you went to Europe, was the wall still up? Did you? No, no. When I went, I, I first first went in 96 uh, to Ukraine. And, okay. Um, so it had been down about See, five years. I, I got to experience it before the yeah. wall. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to Europe before, but not not I didn't do military stuff there. Uh, been to Europe before the, the wall came down. But, you know, looking back on it, if you had a chance to do it all over again would you change anything probably not I I, I I i mean gosh you know that that's a hard thing to to gauge because the knowledge of today with all of the life experience that you have um the, the only thing i think i would i, I would have filed photographs better because <laughs> a lot of the stuff i can't find because it's all you know it's a, it's on a on a print um, not like today where you just kind of look yeah, through the phone. And, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, just, just finding, you know, the, the memories of stuff. Um, but, no, I, I, I'm i very thankful uh, for, for my career and everything that I had learned. I mean, you know, there were some tough times, obviously, but um, but those kind of just fade. And, you know, the memories, and the camaraderie, the um, the sense of uh, of honor. And duty and country; those are those are things that stay with you. Yeah, I miss I miss the little things the uh, yeah. the the flag salute at the yeah. end of the day, at the yeah. beginning of the day, yeah. uh, the the respect of showing of saluting officers as they're walking by, yeah. Medal of Honor winners. Oh yeah, uh, you know the 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 nuances of the military. Oh, those, yeah. those are the things that I miss. Yeah, I still enjoy when I'm on a military base, and it and it's. You know, uh, it's retreat time, um, and you know the vehicle stop. I Everything get out of my stops. car, and even though I'm in civilian clothes, I come to position, attention, under hands, and you know that's just that's a privilege that we get as veterans that um, I never, um, I never think lightly of. Yeah. Now, if uh, you had an opportunity to advise a a grandchild about their potential military service. What would you tell them? Uh, I, well, the, the, the three things that my dad told me was never be early, never be late, and never, ever volunteer. Um, <laughs> and I probably busted through all of those uh, rather quickly. But um, what I would tell them is um, to, in the Army, we call it embracing the suck, you know, to embrace the bad along with the good because you're going to learn so much more from that. Um, the life lessons that you learn um, and, and, and don't miss out on every little opportunity to include, you know, that rock that's laying on the side of the trail that, that looks like a rock is actually a pillow. And, you know, when you're taking a nap and you're really, really tired and you've been up for 30 hours straight, you, you know, those pillows, those rocks are, are not bad pillows. No. Uh, just you know, it, enjoy every aspect of it because yeah. there's a lesson to be learned. One of the greatest statements I ever heard from 
a really, really good leader who was our NCO in the infantry officer basic course. He was a sergeant first class, a sergeant reeler, and he said, Sir, the Army always provides, with the Southern accents, always provides a leadership example for you. Sometimes they're positive, sometimes they're negative, <laughs> but they always provide. And he was right. And, you know, that was a seminal moment for me as a young lieutenant to learn that it, sometimes the, the other officers that you saw that were over you that you didn't want to work for, that taught you not to be that way. You know, yeah, and that's a great point because some of the best lessons that I took away yeah. were the things that I, I thought were bad. Yeah, or the, something that didn't go right. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a rifle platoon leader. I remember we were, we were attacking this hill. It was you know, probably 110 in the shade. And, uh, you know, it's like 1130 in the morning at that point. We keep going up this hill and I keep doing pretty much the same thing. I, I switch squads at that point. So one's the other squads in front now. You know, oh, wow, that's really inventive, Joe. And this I'm briefing the platoon like the fifth time. And um, this young private just back from basic training raises his hand and says, sir, could I offer a suggestion? I'm like, sure, what's up? He says, sir, how about if we just take and move, we had uh, armored personnel carriers, move them up and look like we're going to do the same thing, but we actually just have the driver and the assistant driver in there and the rest of us dismount and go up the steep side of the hill and we'll flank them. And, and they'll not, I mean, because they've seen us do this five times. I said, that just might work. And lo and behold, guess what? We were victorious and, and you know, and captured the other unit. The lowly private. And the lowly private. And, and the battalion commander happened to drive up about then. And you know, he came out and he was all excited and shook my hand. And I said, let me take you over and show you the, the real tactical genius. And I introduced him to, you know, PV1 uh, Johnson was his name. And uh, that's the, very uh, cool. The, the, the colonel coined him right there. And, you know, he just lit up. And, and uh, I learned a very valuable lesson. And that was the newest least experienced soldier in your unit may have the best idea. Shut up and listen to him. So. You know, that, oh, that's such a great lesson. Let, let's talk about that. So what are some of those valuable lessons that you learned in the military that you use today as oh, a civilian? So much. I mean, learning to be on time. You know, God bless my wife. I love her dearly, but she's always like, why are you so concerned about mine? I said, well, when you're flying an attack helicopter and you're doing a mission where they're firing live artillery through the same airspace, it's really important to be there at the time that they tell you, not before and not after, but actually during that time. Um, being on time, um, you know, having, having that commitment, uh, that courage of conviction to, to do the right thing regardless of the consequences, regardless of whether it's popular. I got to tell you, many times as a young officer, I raised my hand when it was appropriate and when the commander had allowed you to do that and said, I think this is not a really good plan. Maybe we should do that. Sometimes I was listened to, sometimes I wasn't. Um, and sometimes I was right and sometimes I was really, really wrong. Um, but you'll learn from all of that that um, all of those, all of those skills really transfer over. I mean, okay, disassembling an M16 probably doesn't necessarily transfer to, you know, a lot of things unless you're working in, in the mechanical field, maybe. But um, what does is 
learning that there is muscle memory to a variety of things and that a lot of redundant tasks if you if you apply yourself correctly you will achieve them and 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 they will not just be redundant but you'll exercise them well you know i in i work in real estate now just the interpersonal connection to be able to be able to 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 quickly talk to someone not necessarily about real estate but about them what they're interested in find out what motivates them really helps me to figure out okay what kind of property are they are they looking for or you know what approach do they want to sell their home that was all acquired in a military environment and yet people would not think you could take those skills and transfer them over but you can you know especially the army i i, I don't know about the navy but i'm going to guess yes there's a lot of time to study people yes a lot of time oh, to study man. people we're uh, my favorite phrase in the army was hurry up and wait. Oh yeah. Um, but in, during all of those times that we're waiting, we're waiting with our brothers and sisters in arms <laughs> and we're watching how they deal with the same garbage that we're going through ourselves. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I learned a lot from seeing how other people dealt with the mundane. Of course you do. And you, and you'll learn a lot about yourself too, because, you know, in many cases I would quickly learn that person is a mirror of me. You know, they, they don't suffer fools well. They're, you know, and so pay attention because, Joe, that's, you know, you're, you're going to fall into that same trap that they're falling into, um, you know. And like I said, you, you learn to, to change your, your style um, and to modify your behavior uh, for the good of the unit and others. And I think the selfless service notion, obviously, my parents were really big into that. Anyway, my dad served in World War II um, in the South Pacific. Um, you know, they, they, they grew up in that mindset, and they passed that on to us as children. But that was the one thing that I just absolutely admired about the military was the notion that you were going to do what was right for your fellow soldiers and for the team, for the unit regardless of the consequences that it had for you, up to and including, you know, your own life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the notion of jumping on a grenade to save your squad is not something that we would think about in the civilian world. No. But it's absolutely something we think about in the military. Yeah. yeah. So um, we have a lot of service men and women who, who spent time in the Gulf War in their home now. What words of wisdom would you give these folks with your perspective of time and now retired and, and a productive member of your community? Um, rely on your brothers and sisters in arms. Reach out to them, especially if, uh, you know, if you're experiencing some difficulties emotionally or behavioral. Um, there's a huge benefit to just being able to talk to another veteran, whether or not they're, they're trained in Counseling, Fre frequently veterans don't really respond all that well to that genre of, <laughs> of talk anyway. They want, they want plain speak like we are used to. And um, so I absolutely, um, you know, you are not alone. Um, and no, no matter what your experience, the chances are that, especially like you said in the Army, if you were in the Army, chances are there's at least one other person on the planet that experienced something almost exactly like you. Um, in exactly the same circumstances. And so 
seek them out and, and, and rely on them. You know, the team doesn't break up when, when you take the uniform. I learned that. Uh, my, my lifelong friends, you know, my best friend um, just retired as a two-star, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we, we go back 36, 37 years. I mean, you know, there's, it, we will pick up a conversation. We won't talk for two weeks and then we'll pick up a conversation. And it's as if I finished, you know, the last three words of his sentence and he started a new sentence. And then, you know, it just, it just progresses like absolutely. Outstanding. Well, Joe, thank you so much for taking time to talk yeah, with us thank today. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed the episode, please click the subscribe button and get notified when new episodes are published. Please take a moment to share these episodes with a friend. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have something to share with the community, please email info at theveteransclub.org.